Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You will not want to miss a word. We're going to talk about the current state of the marriage debate. As you know, Aussies are being asked to accept a redefinition of marriage. Now, along with that idea, of course, comes a redefinition of parenting, a redefinition of family, of gender, the consequences for our way that the ways that children are taught in schools. Well, the latest poll results show that well over half of Australians want a national vote on whether or not to remove the gender diversity requirement from the Marriage Act. So why doesn't the Labor Party and the Greens want Aussies to have a say? Well, your opportunity to participate in our conversation this hour, uh, we're interested in where the debate is at, perceptions. And our special guest Talking through some of these issues, Dr. David Van Gend, President of the Australian Marriage Forum. He's a family doctor. He's also author of what is a best-selling book called Stealing from a Child, The Injustice of Marriage Equality. And David Van Gend joining us through this coming hour. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. David Van Gend, welcome back to 2020. Neil, good to be back. <laughs> David, no one articulates the reasons why Australians should reject a change to the marriage definition the way you do. Let me just get that out uh, early in our conversation today. You're an outstanding communicator, and and I know that listeners will want to hang on every word that we talk about. And when I say that the talkback line is open, uh, I want to say to listeners, uh, you might have an alternative opinion, and that will be welcome today to 1-800-316-316. If we're talking about the current status of the marriage debate, David, uh, where do you think things are at right now? Neil, first, thanks for your kind words there, but may I say that your summation is as crystal clear as any I've ever heard, and I hope your listeners caught your introductory remarks, it really is a perfect encapsulation of what we face, that the so-called changing of marriage comes with the package deal of the changing of the meaning of mother and father, the meaning of parenting, the meaning of even male and female. And this is what we see all around us. We see that no sooner was the meaning of marriage changed from its natural meaning as a male-female pair bond in nature that creates offspring, this unique natural vocation that a man and woman have. Once it was changed in America, for instance, within moments, President Obama and his team had moved on to transgender issues and making sure that men could use girls' bathrooms because these men said they were women now and they, they really are women because they say they are. So you see... As soon as you take away the, the true, sane reality of marriage as a man-woman thing, you have given away the whole game, and you have no grounds for saying that parents should be mother and father. No, no, any two parents. You've got no grounds for saying that children are, are, are a boy or a girl. No, they can be whatever they want, and Safe Schools tells you that you can be whatever you want. It's this huge package deal of uh, Gnostic 
heresy, if you like. It's a sort of craziness that uh, takes away the reality of man and woman. So you, 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 your package, your opening remarks were much better than mine, as you've just heard. <laughs> I don't know thank you for that. And that, I'm afraid, is where we're at. People have got to understand that the marriage debate is not really about marriage. It is giving the uh, uh, homosexual, bisexual, transsexual lobby the legal power to impose that entire package deal. When you give marriage in law, same-sex marriage in law, you give the legal power of anti-discrimination law to compel society to accept all these other LGBT uh, elements of the package deal and includes, of course, forcing our kids at school to be taught that homosexual, transsexual behaviour is no different to their mum and dad in marriage and that they can be a boy or a girl or whatever they like. So that's just the introductory big picture, Neil. It's about the whole package deal of abolishing male and female from uh, our culture. It's bizarre. Uh, well, David, when the uh, side which they talk about, of course, marriage equality, uh, yes. one of the arguments they put forward is that sh people should be able to love one another. Uh, yes. What are your thoughts on what love is uh, by definition because sometimes it feels like when you hear that sort of hollow talk coming from uh, the homosexual lobby it's like uh, you know this is just oh just love one yeah. another it's just about playing dress-ups for yes, children it's these, these are our fellow citizens and we affirm their right to love whomever they will to uh, have have a relationship with whomever they will that is their private business they are already free to live as they choose. In Australia, Neil, as you know, there is no difference whatsoever in our federal law between a same-sex couple and a man-woman couple, a de facto couple or a married couple. There's no difference. They are all treated exactly the same in law. They have the same benefits, Medicare, uh, superannuation, spouse benefits, next of kin status, whatever you like exactly the same status and benefits in law. So our former first couple, um, Julia Gillard and her partner, Tim Matheson, they weren't married, but they had exactly the same rights and benefits as uh, a married couple, and they had exactly the same rights and benefits as your average gay couple. No difference. There is no discrimination at all, and gay couples have exactly the same relationship equality, full stop. So there's no injustice, there's no discrimination. The only difference is that gay couples can't have marriage equality because marriage, by definition, is a male-female phenomenon. It is the institution that is built around the natural complementarity of male and female and their capacity to create the next generation. That is why marriage exists in history to try to keep a man and woman together, all that social encouragement and social affirmation. Why? So that the child that typically arises from that male-female sexual bond will have their kinship, mother and father bond, the security, the identity, the ancestry, the belonging that comes with marriage. That is the whole social purpose of marriage is because it reinforces uh, that structure around the child and gives the child what they need. So that's why marriage uh, is a man-woman thing and two blokes need not apply for that job. 
So you see how it's not discrimination, Neil, to tell two blokes that they can't marry. It's like me as a GP saying to a bloke, I'm sorry, you can't go to the local women's hospital. And he might say, oh, that's discrimination. I want to go to the hospital of my choice. You know, why are you treating me as inferior? And I say, hang on, hang on. You can't go to the women's hospital because a women's hospital is an institution that deals with women's conditions. And, and you, don't, you don't qualify, mate. It's like that with marriage. Two blokes, you can't marry because marriage is an institution that deals with the phenomenon of male and female and the typical result of offspring. So that's where we start, Neil. You you talked about um, gay couples wanting to have their love celebrated. They can celebrate it as much as they like. No one's going to get in their way, but they cannot claim an institution to which they are not qualified. That is the heart of the argument. Let's come down to another level deeper, because, David, as you know, Vision Christian Radio is the national Christian broadcaster. We'll talk about Christian and biblical reasons why marriage is so, so important, because there is a biblical foundation for marriage. But you like to talk about natural marriage, which actually goes a step deeper from where even religious uh, thoughts about marriage are as well, because uh, because natural marriage is simply something that exists apart from a religious view. Well, I don't know which is deeper, but but you're right. You're right in that cultures which are not Christian, all cultures from the earliest recorded history have had the institution of marriage, and the anthropologists tell us that even in primitive cultures which have no government, have no law, little tribal nomadic cultures. The great Claude Levi-Strauss, our greatest anthropologist, pointed out that even in these most basic tribes, he said, quote, that researchers had no difficulty identifying married couples because they had this emotional connection, they were invested in their children, they cooperated economically in every way. So I say, Neil, uh, marriage... uh, pre-exists all government. It is a natural institution uh, which no government invented and therefore no government has the right to touch, to redefine. That men and women have vowed themselves to each other and cared for their young long before there was any state, any law, even any religion. It is a natural nobility of our humanity. And that, that is the origin of marriage. It is, it, it, it is, as Claude Levi-Strauss says, quote, a social institution with a biological foundation, end quote. Uh, so, so we're dealing with that. But, but your point, if I might just say, I yep. don't think that makes it deeper than the theological understanding. Because remember, what is, what is deeper than nature? Well, what's deeper than nature is the mind of God, the mind of the creator, the intention, the designer. So the mind of God is the deepest level. And what I consider um, marriage and family is, is one of these deeply significant expressions of the mind of God. Essentially, the mother, father, and child is a sort of human trinity. It is a model in the human life of the trinity of God. It is this one flesh, united being, if you like, uh, of, of three distinct persons, which is very analogous to the notion of trinity, and it is no mere natural Excellent. I think when uh, I mention go deeper, uh, 
what I was referring to, of course, is the uh, cultures, and you mentioned that cultures other than Christianity uh, have had this bond between a man and a woman at the foundation for those societies uh, all along. And so uh, when I say deeper, uh, not to not to stand on uh, those sorts of uh, issues uh, where this was founded in the mind of God, as we believe as Christian believers, that uh, God is the Creator and He made man and woman, and and there you have this uh, this this marriage. But yeah. when you have this as a natural marriage, a yeah. natural institution that exists outside of religious ideas, then what we're seeing then is something a little bit uh, profoundly challenging because really it's an ideological uh, imposition upon the way we think about what is a natural marriage. And that's what we're up against here. And and I think in your book you call it an ideological colonization, that uh, someone's got an ideology that they want to bring in, uh, trample over all of those things that are norms in the natural world, and and so you have this ideological colonization. What are your thoughts? Well, that was a far more important person than me who said that. That was uh, uh, Pope Benedict, uh, the beloved uh, leader of the Catholic Church a while back. And um, that was closely followed by another famous philosopher who I quoted on the same subject called Mark Latham, who was a beloved leader of the Labour Party a while back. And these people all understand... The, the extraordinary radical nature of this onslaught, which is denying the truth of male and female. It's extraordinary. And that this truly is a threat to our sanity. Nothing short of that. Mark Latham says it is a threat to our civilization. And unless parents understand what is behind safe schools and building respectful relationships and all these other shocking Marxist programs coming into our schools that we will lose the minds of our children. We, we, they will be subjected to a, cure, a, a really damaging form of mental disturbance through these bizarre ideas. Remember that famous line from the, the book called The Gender Fairy, which is read to Australian four-year-olds. Uh, and Ros Ward, the Marxist behind safe schools, is, is one of the advisors, one of the you know, collaborators in The Gender Fairy. And it says in that book, quote, children... Nobody can tell you whether you are a boy or a girl. Only you know. Now, if that isn't messing with kids' minds, Neil, uh, what is? It is quite bizarre and disturbing. And what, um, what I hope people understand, if we ever come to a vote on same-sex marriage, I just hope that enough parents and, and, and serious people in Australia have come to the realisation that if you vote for genderless marriage, you are voting for the genderless package deal that comes with marriage. You are getting much more than just marriage equality. You are getting an irresistible, logical progression to the genderless bathrooms where men will be sharing your girls' bathrooms by law. You are getting genderless, radical sex education for your children where they're told that they can be a boy or a girl and that homosexual behaviour is no different to your mum and dad, that all these things must come if you once destroy the truth of marriage. That is how uh, disturbing and, and serious this whole thing is, Neil. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life. 
Culture and Current Events. Dr David Van Gend is our guest, President of the Australian Marriage Forum. Talkback line open 1-800-316-316. David, before we take any calls, uh, let's talk about the latest polls. I mentioned in our introduction that the majority of Aussies now want a national vote on whether or not to change the Marriage Act. Uh, your thoughts on, on polls and the, uh, the trends to, towards uh, the idea that, yes, we all want to have our say. Well, right from the start, about two-thirds of people wanted the people to decide on marriage, not, a, not, not politicians. And that's waxed and waned, uh, depending on you know, certain prominent figures uh, weighing into the debate. But the most recent poll, well, the, the, the one from June was the essential poll, uh, and it found that 61% of Australians, this is just last month, still want the people to decide on any change to marriage, versus 27% who wanted politicians to decide on the question of same-sex marriage. And you know what's most interesting, Neil? Of that 61%, right, who want um, the people to decide, what we find is that uh, those people who actually support same-sex marriage, the ones who want it to change, even among that subgroup, 62% of those people wanted the people to decide. So even though they want gay marriage they still want a plebiscite about gay marriage, uh, not for the pollies to stitch it up. This is our institution and we have the say. That's quite interesting. Uh, let's talk then about the Labor Party and the Greens because they are the blockage here which is keeping the plebiscite uh, from actually happening. Uh, what are your thoughts on the reasons why their blockage might be so strong? Uh, it's partly because they don't want to risk losing. They are both sworn to homosexual marriage as policy and they don't want to risk the public doing a Brexit, the public doing a Trump, the public doing something unexpected and, in fact, saying no to this thing. Uh, and that's because they have polling as we do, which show that it is winnable for us, Neil. For when I say us, our side of the debate, it is winnable. And the more people realise this package deal of genderless madness, the more they say, no, thank you. Just leave this foundation of society unchanged. We don't have many foundations left. Leave it alone. We cannot risk messing with our foundations in this way. So I think we could win this debate, and that's why they don't want it. And their excuse for not wanting it, they make out that if there was to be a debate, to quote Mr Bill Shorten, haters will crawl out from under the rocks. Okay, that's me, that's you, that's the sort of people he's abusing. Um, that's his reason. Now, of course, there's no evidence for that. There wasn't anything, uh, anything uh, remotely like that in the American states who had a plebiscite or a referendum, not even in Ireland. Uh, they make out that there was some big trauma there. Well, I've read the entire book by the Irish gay lobbyists who won their, ref their referendum in Ireland, and nowhere in there does it talk about any trouble from hateful people uh, there was a little bit of stress sometimes on the campaign trail but that's politics but there was nothing they've made it up to try and smear the plebiscite here in australia they say oh suicide rates will go up rubbish they actually went down in ireland in that year of the plebiscite for whatever reason they certainly didn't go up mm. so we are being blackmailed emotionally browbeaten by the likes of bill shorten who insults all of us who want to defend a child's right to a mum and dad, who want to defend the truth of marriage. 
he smears us as haters crawling out from under rocks. And that is um, the position of the Labour Party on this. Well, let's take some calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Priscilla in Victoria. Hello, Priscilla. Welcome along. Hello. Priscilla, what are your thoughts? I, I find myself really um, struggling with this issue, not because I don't have my own str- very strong conviction of what the Bible says is right and wrong and what God has put in place, but I have a gay brother and I love him dearly, but I don't agree with his actions. I find it hard to include him into our family when I love him dearly, but I don't want my children thinking that living a gay lifestyle is right or okay. And I want to voice what the truth is and I want to stand for what I believe is true, but I find not because of my brother by any means, my hands tied, but I find it hard to know what to do, what to do and how to voice the truth and how to stand for the truth. How does a mum with kids, kids in school here in Australia that doesn't agree with this um you know, thing going through and want to stand for what's true. How do we? How do we do that? Well, let's get some thoughts, uh, David. Your thoughts for Priscilla. Priscilla, beautifully said. Um, just a couple of suggestions. Do, you know, you need to keep separate um, the the trouble one might have with a family member who is living in a in a homosexual lifestyle, and how you reconcile that with you know your affection and including him in the family activities. That's one thing. But just on the question of marriage. Um, Realise that there's a, a, a solid block of gay guys and lesbian people who oppose same-sex marriage, and it might be interesting for you to consider um, such such opinions, and even for your brother too. I'm thinking, in particular, Paddy Manning was involved in the Irish debate, and he's a gay guy and um, delightful uh, character, and he says this in in in, um, in the course of the Irish debate. He said, "quote A same-sex relationship." is different to a marriage because mm. marriage is at its heart about children and providing those children with their biological parents. Yep. Recognising difference, says Paddy Manning, recognising difference is not discrimination, in quote. Yep. So it's, it's helpful to know, and I've got a whole chapter, chapter three of my book, Gay Men Speak Out, a whole chapter of these examples of these admirable uh, people who will say, "Yes, I'm gay, and I, I, I'm I'm proud of that, and I, that's how I want to be," but but that doesn't mean I support gay marriage because marriage is not about us adults. Marriage is about building a structure around children to give them their kinship, bonds, and identity. So, Priscilla, if you're ever talking to your brother about it, and you get onto the subject of gay marriage, it'd be interesting for him to know about these um, these uh, gay people who who oppose gay marriage. I think. Priscilla from Victoria, thank you so much for uh, some great input today on 2020. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Ray in Queensland. Hello, Ray. Welcome along. Oh, good. Ray, what are your thoughts? Well, my thought is that once you start changing the meaning of words and... uh, you're on a terribly slippery slope. If words just have the meaning that we decide to give them, we can no longer communicate. And if we can't communicate, 
then what's the point of government? We can close down the government if they can't use words with meaning. Uh, Ray, uh, a good point you've made already, and time is short. Uh, a response from David Van Gend. Look, it's it's um it's impressive uh, insight that Ray has because the power of words and the power of changing ideas through changing words is is a very important part of this whole debate. Uh, there's a a, a left wing, you know, he calls himself a a Marxist, um, a delightful guy called um, Brendan O'Neill. And I'm just bringing up a little quote I've got. Brendan, Brendan talks about gay marriage chiming brilliantly with government's desire to diminish the sovereignty of the family and intervene in our personal lives and to police what we think. And what he says is that this is achieved by... Um, redefining our relationships, changing the words. He says this, quote, the ruling elites of Canada, the UK and elsewhere in the, in the wake of same-sex marriage have rewritten public documents and laws to excise mention of mothers, fathers, husbands and wives in favour of a more neutral language to suit their homogenization of all relationships as being marriage. End quote. That's quite profound. This is sort of Orwellian, isn't it? Where you change the words so that certain meanings are lost and there's no longer any meaning to mother and father. They just change it to parent one and parent two. As David, I have to cut in because we're about to go to news. Back with more after Vision National News. Uh, David Van Gen, before we take some more calls, let's just come back to a little bit of the thing, the things that have been going on in politics of recent times. Uh, threats from uh, Senator Dean Smith uh, from Western Australia to uh, to uh, table a private members' bill. Of course, there was an out, an outburst just recently from Christopher Pine uh, talking about moderates in the Liberal Party uh, with their view to actually uh, having a vote in the Parliament over same-sex marriage. You follow along these political developments fairly closely. How significant are those things that have been, uh, say, an outburst from Christopher Pine or uh, threats from Senator Dean Smith? Well, at two levels, there are a problem. I'm a LNP uh, member. I do my onerous drudgery duty of belonging to a political party to try and influence it from the inside. And I urge all your listeners to join a political party of their choice in order to try and influence it for good. It's a, it's a duty, but we've got to do it. Uh, so I have a concern for the party itself because Dean Smith's a Liberal senator. He's a, he's a gay man. Uh, there's also a couple of gay men in the lower house in the Liberal Party, and there's been mutterings about them possibly crossing the floor in August on a on a motion from the Labor Party to bring on a debate on same-sex marriage. Um, you can understand their motivation. You can understand they want to be heroes of the LGBT lobby, and they want to be, you know... Uh, change makers but to do that would be such an act of treachery it would be a betrayal of the party's position which to mr turnbull's credit he has he has held to very faithfully and that is there will be no parliamentary vote on marriage until the people have spoken and mr turnbull's been very firm on that so if his his uh party members uh you know betray him and betray the party position and do what the rumour says they might do in August when Parliament comes back, uh, 
across the floor, collaborate with Labor and the Greens to bring on a vote, an ambush vote on same-sex marriage, um, that will be catastrophic for the party. And as I said to a a senior LNP friend, uh, you do that, a quarter of the LNP will disappear to to Corey Bernardi and, and others. Um, it would be a devastating thing. So I don't think it will happen. I think the wise heads in the party will, will keep pushing the plebiscite and perhaps find more creative ways. Um, there's been talk in the Crikey Journal that the idea of a postal plebiscite has been revised. Uh, this was first raised in March by um, Minister Peter Dutton and supported by people like Mr Abbott and, and so on. So it's a live idea. Just to explain, Neil, uh, because in my humble opinion, this is quite likely to be the resolution, quite likely that we might end up with this sort of uh, approach, a postal plebiscite. If it were to happen, it would involve the Electoral Commission sending out a, a voting form to all Australian voters with an information um, statement for gay marriage and an information statement against the change to gay marriage, and people would vote, they would return it, and it would be counted by the Electoral Commission very formally. Now, that would fulfil the government's promise, wouldn't it, uh, to let the people have a say? Uh, and, uh, and yet it bypasses the Greens in the Senate. It bypasses Labor and the Greens because you don't need to pass a law to hold a postal plebiscite. And that's where I think the future might go. I don't know, Neil, but that's my hunch. And the, the reason I mention it is that if that were to be uh, the path taken... You know, if the rumours in Crikey and elsewhere are, are to be believed, I think it would all be done and dusted this year. So I would, I would tell your listeners who are concerned about this great issue, my feeling is that uh, we may have this postal plebiscite resolution, maybe we may not, but if we did, I suspect it would be done and dusted by November this year. And that means we have very little time to reach out to our friends, to <laughs> get them onto, you know, great websites like Marriage Alliance... Um, Australian Christian Lobby, our little website. Get them a copy of my book from Kurong. It's already sold 10,000. You know, Kurong won't mind if you buy another 1,000. Do what churches do and buy 100 and give it to the church members. Get it out there because we need to be able to tell our neighbours, please vote no in whatever sort of plebiscite we have uh, for the sake of future children, for the sake of future pastors not being crushed by the anti-discrimination laws if they want to speak against gay marriage and so forth. That's where I think we are, Neil. Um, And um, can I just say, if anyone is concerned to be part of it, please join the Australian Christian Lobby volunteer list, notification list. Just go to their website and become part of the loop of people kept in the loop, ready to become the foot soldiers, to get out there and spread the word in in their churches, use the networks of the churches to get the vote out, get the support going for defending marriage and family and the rights of children in the future. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take some uh, more now. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Hello, Neil. Hello, David. Uh, Love your work, David. Yeah, I'm definitely opposed um, to uh, the gay marriage. Um, Mate, but I have a question. I was talking to a um, a lesbian lady um, not long ago, and I was trying to, you know, help her out in, in what I felt was the better view. Um, now, she came up with one uh, question that I have, and um, she seemed to think that she couldn't have a vote um, with a partner 
for a major operation, emergency operation within a hospital. That was her only concern. She didn't want children, um, whilst her partner did, um, and um, you know she was you know quite uh, okay in most areas, except for the fact that she said, "Oh, well, might help the idea of the the uh, operation." Yeah. The um, you know, she's not treated as a true marriage partner. No, that, that's simply wrong because she's a true de facto partner. And remember, ah. an Australian nor a de facto partner is a married partner under Australian I, law. There's no difference. So yeah, it's a good I, I, concern, a valid concern, but it's a, it's a misguided concern. Uh, they have um, the same consenting rights as a de facto partner because in law they are a de facto couple. So she, she can be reassured... They made a lot of this, um, a lot of hoo-ha about this when um, uh, some uh, a, a visiting gay couple who got married in quotes in England came and, and tragically one of the men uh, died by falling down stairs in South Australia back uh, I think last year, and there was a big hoo-ha made because um, the marriage certificate wasn't recognised in South Australia, and so they said that it meant one partner, the surviving partner, couldn't consent you know, for matters relating to the funeral and so on. But that, again, is just a legal misunderstanding. Um, anyone, any adult can consent for another adult if they um, have, say, power of attorney or relationships register or even just an order from the magistrate's court. There are many ways to arrange legal consent without the need for a marriage certificate. That's the take-home message. Thank you so much to Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. one 316 If you'd like to join in our conversation, you might have your own insight. You might have a question to ask. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Uh, good day, Neil. Good day, David. Yeah, Hi, I just want to make a broader statement than same-sex marriage. Uh, I just think the uh, church leaders are not warning the politicians enough about like sexual sin in general because God warns that they're regarding sexual sin he'll vomit you out of the land and you know we can see that in uh, canada bushfires and new zealand floods they've got gay marriage there um you know we, we have all the sexual sins abortion pornography adultery uh you know warn them that um god will sort of you know and regarding climate change i think that's what what it is it's god's turning up the heat not any man-made climate change so you know uh, good thoughts there, Chris, but a response from you, David Van Gend, when it comes to the role that church leaders are playing, and, and I, I imagine that uh, when Chris says those things, he's talking about denominational leaders. We all think, well, we're a part of a denomination in a local church. Uh, what are our leaders saying? Are they actually having a voice? Uh, do you think there is a combined voice that's coming from church leaders, or is it really going to be uh, organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby, like uh, uh, like other uh, groups, uh, Family Voice Australia, those sorts of organisations that are speaking really on behalf of the church? What are your thoughts? I think it's encouraging that so many church leaders are being brave and, and, and faithful on this. There are some churches which are really hopeless, and, and that's just very sad. Um, some, some branches of my church, the Anglican Church, are just, just you know, quite heretical, and some uh, uniting churches is basically lost cause with some honourable exceptions. But you look to the Sydney Anglicans or the great leaders of the Catholic Church like Archbishop Fisher in Sydney, and elsewhere, you know, Bishop Porteous uh, in, in Tasmania, who's been through the, the fire on this great matter. Uh, but then you have some of the Pentecostal churches are terrific. Uh, uh, the, the Greek Orthodox, uh, I've got to know them in Sydney and Melbourne through the course of this campaign, 
are the most faithful and on fire church in the entire country on this matter. So there, and the Chinese Christian community, spectacular. They turned the, the outcome of the last election in the seat of Chisholm, along with the Greek Orthodox. They turned that seat and therefore gave us a reprieve by getting that one seat that kept Labour out of power. So the churches have already done hard work and good things. Yes, people like Australian Christian Lobby, my friend Lyle Shelton, do an invaluable, priceless role in, in informing the church leaders, in encouraging and coordinating. Absolutely priceless. Please, everyone, give ACL your support. They are irreplaceable. Uh, but it's the church leaders themselves who are the shepherds of the flock. And they are the ones who I, I hope and pray will have the most heavy burden of care and concern on this great matter of marriage and parenting and the rights of the child. And, and I think they will. So that's why, Neil, I'm cautiously hopeful that when a finishing line is seen on this great matter, a plebiscite date is set, I think the minds of the church leaders will be focused. I think the minds of church members will be focused and they will politely demand that their leaders do everything within their power to preserve preserve us from this immense threat uh, to the church in particular, uh, this immense threat uh, that the power of the state will be brought to bear as it has been elsewhere to crush conscientious objection to all matters homosexual, bisexual and transsexual uh, and that the very uh, survival of the church as a, as a free uh, and, and uh, a self-governing uh, institution is, is at stake. So yeah, I think the leaders are going to do good things when it comes to the crunch. Thanks so much to Chris from Victoria for your insight today. Let's take some calls. Uh, we might need to uh, speed up some responses okay. on those, but sure. let's hear from David in Mackay. Hello, David. Welcome along. Good evening. Thanks uh, for the call. Uh, the um, problem that overrides at the moment, I feel, in so many cases, that a really a good Christian, a good sincere Christian, is very much divided on the issue because there's two ways of looking at it. Um, the ideal of compassion, uh, which Christ would have for anyone to uh, have the rights, uh, equal rights, but then there is the, the, the overriding fact that uh, Christian, a marriage, a Christian marriage is a covenant, and I feel the churches have lacked so much in, in emphasising the fact that it is a covenant uh, in, the, in the presence of God, that uh, as we had right back in history, uh, Christ, God saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And that, that's forever lasting. And the same as that marriage should be, I will be your husband, I will be your wife, and that is indefinite, that is lifetime. And it's not upheld in the churches these days, uh, sadly. It's true. David, good thoughts there, but let's get a response from David Van Gend yes, on what David I, and Mackay is sharing. I think David's spot on, um, but it's not, it's not either or. We can be as respectful as fellow citizens as, as you could ever want us to be. We can say to our uh, same-sex uh, attracted friends, um, uh, you know, you are free to live as you choose, you are a free citizen. And... Um, same-sex relationships matter greatly to those people involved. They really do. And they have to be treated with neighbourly civility. We don't have to endorse them, but we have to treat them with neighbourly civility. But what we insist, as David was intimating, is that same-sex relationships are a different kind of thing to that great natural vocation of 
husband and wife, man and woman, uniting in that uniquely creative and fertile bond, which typically, not always, but typically gives rise to children. That is the job description for marriage, if you like, that nature itself and, and nature's God gives to a man and a woman. And two blokes um, can live as they choose, but they can't call it marriage. Thank you to David from Mackay. Let's take one more call. Jim is in Queensland. Hello, Jim. Welcome along. Good morning. Jim, what are your thoughts? Uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek. I've noticed that um, the people that are very pro um, gay rights are also very pro-Muslim. Uh, I was wondering, I was wondering, could we agree to them all, just uh, designate an island, put them all on the same island and let them sort it out and go back in 10 years? Mm. Yeah, uh, that is tongue-in-cheek, but there's one serious concern. Uh, I, I just simply don't understand, uh, as you say, how people can, on the one hand, um, assert gay liberation and on the other hand, assert um, Muslim immigration in, in large amounts, only because there is this deep hostility within the Islamic culture to uh, homosexual people, and surely they realize that we Christians, we are their friends, we are the friends of the gay people, we are the gentle people. And, and I, I see your point, that there is a strange paradox there, but I guess it's a bit of a diversion and we might have to leave it there. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We've been talking about the current state of the marriage debate. And uh, our special guest this hour, Dr. David Van Gend, uh, we mentioned that he is the author of a book called the stealing from a child, the injustice of marriage equality. Uh, it's going to be important in coming days, in coming weeks, coming months, for people to be well equipped to be able to have the argument when they need to about marriage. Uh, David, resources and the sorts of uh, places that people can go by way of website addresses, uh, the sorts of groups that you would hope people will follow to keep up to date with the debate. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on being prepared? for what might be coming. Very good. I think we need to be urgently prepared because it is my instinct that this whole great matter might be settled by November. I suspect that things will come to a head in August and it might be settled by November. There is no time to lose. My book, um, I get nothing from it. All proceeds go straight back into the marriage campaign, of course, but it has sold 10,000. It has been found to be immensely helpful by so many people, and I would humbly encourage people to buy a copy of my book, Stealing from a Child, from Kurong. You can get it from Dimmicks. You can get it from Amazon. You can get a signed express posted copy from me at australianmarriage.org, and I'd love to send you one. Buy 100 for your church. Do whatever you can. Um, may I just say that Senator Abetz called it a master, masterful work, excuse my mentioning it, but um, Piers Ackerman from The Telegraph called it compelling. And a, a lovely man in the Catholic Weekly, a gay guy called James Parker, said it was profoundly respectful of all concerned. So go for it. Buy the book. Join the ACL mailing list, please. Australian Christian Lobby. Keep in the loop and join the Marriage Alliance network. They are our great generals in this matter, and they are a class pair of acts, I promise you. Uh, join the, the hundreds of thousands of people who will be in the network 
and then go to Australian Marriage Forum, go to our Facebook site, be part of the conversation, and if you have lots of money, please give us some. We don't have much. I live off the proceeds of the book <laughs> for our website. And that's it, and we're going to win, dear people. We have every expectation of winning this great debate because it's not about us. It's about future children having that sacred bond of their mother and their father wherever possible. We will not allow that to be destroyed by an institution of genderless marriage. And the idea that sometimes people are timid and hold back from speaking up, uh, what's your encouragement, David, for people who'd be listening to our conversation now saying, well, it all sounds too hard for me, uh, but I do really want to put my vote in the right place if there is a plebiscite, uh, but the idea of not being timid, not cowering in the corner, what would you hope that people might take as an attitude uh, when it comes to this. The attitude is that we're not being mean to anybody. We are saying gay people are free to live as they choose. They already have exactly the same rights and benefits as any other couple. Amen. But they're not free to choose a motherless or fatherless life for future children. They're not free to choose radical LGB sex education for all of our kids. And they're not free to choose to silence pastors and conscientious objectors with that big stick of anti-discrimination law. Those three things are so wrong. And we want to say, live and let live. You have all your liberties. You have, you have equality. You have everything you want. Don't try and take marriage, because that carries with it this whole package deal of genderless oppression. Okay, let's mention that website one more time, australianmarriage.org. That's the website for the Australian Marriage Forum. And uh, David Van Gend, who's saying, uh, get in touch with all of those wonderful organisations that are defending the marriage between one man and one woman. Uh, We've been talking about the current state of the marriage debate and, of course, uh, talking about a Facebook page. And a lot of people on Facebook can uh, keep up with daily activity and see that news as it is breaking and uh, catch what's happening from the Australian Marriage Forum. And, of course, as uh, David Van Gend is saying, get a hold of that book, Stealing from a Child, The Injustice of Marriage Equality. It is easy to read. It is informative. It is well-researched. It's stealing from a child the injustice of marriage equality. And it's on e-book soon. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, David, just great getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today. Thanks so much for such a clear presentation of uh, where it is, where the marriage debate is in the current uh, context. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil, and thanks very much. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.